Hello, this is Deborah Anderson, the Black Woman Animator, coming back to you with another video. And in this video, I have Lenard Robinson. Welcome. Can you give a little intro about yourself? Well, sure, yes. Um, I am an animator in the, uh, been in the animation industry now for, wow, 40, 43 years. Um, I came out here to Los Angeles in 1977. I was an illustration major at Georgia State University. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. And I wanted to get into the animation business, but I didn't know how. And uh, I met uh, an animation producer back uh, when I was in school and showed him my work. And as it turns out, he liked it well enough to allow me to come and work for him. And so that was how I ended up coming out here to Los Angeles. And I've been out here ever since. I've worked as a, an animation artist at Disney and DreamWorks, uh, Paramount. Warner Brothers. I was director of Warner Brothers for six years. I've created shows. Um, I've had my own studio. Uh, it's been a great business for me. I've been very, very blessed and fortunate to be uh, one of the few black people in the animation business. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and the purpose of this channel is, you know, to highlight the few and show you that there's more than we realize. <laughs> It's it was it's not ten it's it's about a high, I like a lot more but yeah so um you're from Atlanta uh, how was it growing up Oh my goodness it was great uh, Atlanta is a very humid uh, city uh, beautiful city very green and mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course my family and everything was back there um, I loved it I loved the uh, you know the environment um, people. Very different from here in Los Angeles. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was just a good, good environment, you know, a strong family, uh, you know, unit, and I think all of that really helped me a lot as an artist, you know, because I had a lot of support from my family. So yeah. I just, you know, I felt like it was a good base. So living mm -hmm. there was, was wonderful. It's a good place to grow up. Yeah, I just moved to LA from New Orleans, so I know about the humidity. I remember a year after I moved to New Orleans, uh, one of my friends was in town and he was, and you know, I went to school in upstate New York. And so uh, he just came down and was like, "Ooh, it's so hot. And I remember walking out the door that day like, oh, it's a little cool today because <laughs> I had got used to the humidity. So it was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> but like coming from Rochester, he was like, oh, my gosh. And then uh, another thing I remember. Uh, when I was in, in college, I went down to Atlanta and I remember being in Rochester, if you like saw a luxury vehicle, it was like most likely a white person. But when I went to Atlanta, I'm like, there's a black person in that car. <laughs> so I, I, liked, I liked the idea of being the black Mecca. And uh, it, was, it was one of the choices to move after uh, college, but I ended up moving to New Orleans, so. New Orleans must have been really beautiful. I've always wanted to go. I've never never had an opportunity yet, but I, I, I hope to go at some point. Well, let me know you, if you do. I'll, I got some restaurants you can hit up. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's two things I want. I want in New Orleans. I want some food and I want jazz. Those two things. <laughs> yes. And I'll let you know. I'll remind you to go to Frenchman Street, not Bourbon Street, to, go, to get you the, the jazz. <laughs> So, um, what was your what was your relationship with art and animation growing up? Um, well, I started out uh, as I went toward being an illustrator because I it seemed like to me that was the only 
feel that I could be a commercial artist and actually make a living. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be an animator, but there wasn't an animation industry to speak of. So I figured, well, I'll, the next best thing would be maybe to be a children's book illustrator, that type of thing. So that was what I trained to be, was an illustrator. And But on the side, I was doing my own little animation stuff because I really liked that. And, uh, and I just dreamed of someday, it's like, well, maybe someday I'll, I'll be able to go go to Disney and vi visit Disney Studios or something. You know, I didn't know how mm -hmm. that was going to so it was just, it was a godsend that, that it happened the way it did. Yeah. Um, so in that your parents and all of your siblings are artistic in some way, is it safe to say that you were supported in your artistic abilities? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, I'm the oldest of five kids. Mm -hmm. so I, and I was told, uh, and I don't know which side of the, I think it's on my dad's side, that there was an artist somewhere in our family. And so mm -hmm. then I was like the next one. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, and all my siblings all have artistic ability as well. So, but yeah, my parents were very supportive. Um, mm -hmm. I think they were, you know, they were concerned um, as all parents are, they were concerned that like, okay, fine, you're an artist, you can draw and all that, but mm -hmm. you get a real job, right? So, <laughs> so it was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, maybe you should be a teacher or, you know, mm -hmm. they, but they didn't discourage me. It was like they, you know, they kind of said, well, okay, but, you know, what, what's your fallback position, you know? So I don't, yeah. I mean, they, they, they were supportive, but they were not 100% like sold on the idea until I got a job. You know, once I started doing well, they were like, oh, well, maybe he's going to be all right after all, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah, understandable. So uh, Donald Towns mentioned that you all worked at Six Flags Over Georgia together. Um, what was your experience working there and what did you do? Oh, my goodness, Donald. Oh, yeah, Donald and I, oh, golly. I was just talking about him today to my wife. Yeah, Donald's mm -hmm. an old friend. Yeah, we were uh, portrait artists. Um, yeah, golly, that was... Yeah, we, we, we were we did portraits. So you know how they mm -hmm. the parks they'll do the, the caricature drawings, you know. Mm -hmm. quick sketches. Well, we did uh, color portraits of people. So oh, they nice. sit and you know, it would take us about ten or fifteen minutes and we would do a nice pastel drawing and we would sell that to the, the, the customers. And it became such a big deal that they actually opened an entire kiosk and had I think they were like, at one point, I think they were like maybe 15 of us artists mm -hmm. drawing, you know. And that was where I met Donald. So Donald was there, and, and, and there were a couple of other people who, who uh, we all worked together. That was fun. We did, we only yeah. worked during the summertime, though. I think it was just a, so it was a summer job primarily. Nice summer job. <laughs> uh, and so you really like roller coasters. So what do you like about them, and what's your favorite kind of roller coaster? <laughs> Uh, Six Flags had the Scream Machine. Scream Machine, mm -hmm. I remember it now like it was yesterday. Yeah, we, we were supposedly at the time, and let's see, that would have been, let me think now, I don't know what year that would have been, I guess 73, 74, I'm not sure. But um, mm -hmm. supposedly we had the, the longest, highest, at that time, uh, mm -hmm. roller So we were boasting that like, we've got the, the big one, and so whatever. And so... <laughs> And uh, I, I fell in love with roller coasters. I mean, I, I think mm -hmm. the Scream Machine, well, the Scream Machine wasn't the first roller coaster I was on. They had this thing called um, uh, 
the Dahlonega Mine Train. It was like it was a cool little roller coaster. It was a little small, but it was really fast, you know. Mm -hmm. you know we got three machines. Like, oh, that was a big deal, you know. So I was really into that, and I, so I I love that. But like then after that, it was like I started looking for like, okay, where's the next one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Came out of here, you know, they got Magic Mountain, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> and I went to Magic Mountain, I was like, Oh man, and they have all these roller coasters. You know? yeah. So, I, 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 I guess, let's see, let me think. My favorite roller coaster was uh, Ghost Rider. Like Ghost Rider, mm. which I, Ghost Rider is in, I think it's in Knottsbury Farm, and okay. it's a, yes, an old style roller coaster, one of those old wooden ones, and it shakes. Oh, yeah. Like, and it looks makes oh you think you're gonna die, you know. <laughs> throw you off. I love things like that that, that look dangerous. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Growing up in the Midwest, uh, Cedar Point was our place, and I really love roller coasters. But you can't tell from me riding them because, like, you you know, you go up and you're like, and some you know, some of the roller coasters go back, click, click. Click, 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 click. And so I'm going up like, ah, I made a bad decision. <laughs> and then you go over that first hill and it's like, ah. And then, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why, but I, I enjoy it. And I remember when I was younger and like a, a like a string bean, I'll always be afraid that I was going to fly out of the seat because I'm like, so I could never like put my hands up. And even if I do, like, even at this age, if I do put my hands up, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm never like this because my stomach like jumps and so oh. when I was younger I'll be like holding on like yeah I'm having fun oh yeah no I know what you mean no I'm listening me I'm I'm big I'm just, I just hold hands like, yeah let's do it you know I'm so into it of course I'm a little heavier now but when I first started riding them I was pretty thin mm -hmm. but yeah I don't know there's something about that whole idea of it that, that you're gonna fly up. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why that's exciting to me, but it is. You know, <laughs> we have like at, at um say at um, Magic Mountain they have with that Goliath, I think they call it, mm -hmm. which is another great coaster. And that one, boy, what a hill you're going down! And man, you talk about you get some major air. But then when you're in the bottom of it, it's got mm -hmm. these G forces that hit you just before you get out of it. Just kind of mm -hmm. flash in your seat. Man, that's, I don't know, that thing is awesome. And then the other one is the Superman. That, yeah. thing, is, that thing is crazy. I remember first time I saw it, I, I got into the little area there where the car is. And, mm -hmm. and I remember kind of turning my head and then I turned back and the car was gone. I mean, it was like literally shot out of there. I said, how fast is it? And they said, oh, it goes from zero to a hundred miles an hour in like, Six uh, six seconds, and I was like, "What?" That was the first time I thought, "Hmm, maybe this was not a good idea." <laughs> you know, and you get in the thing. I don't know if you've ridden it before, but boy, the G forces mm -hmm. on that! Oh my goodness! So, but I love all those things. Those are fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. There was one like I enjoyed. Um, I feel like there was a newer one because I don't know when the last time I've been to Cedar Point, but I like the ones that are like just an enjoyable ride. I'm like, okay, this is nice. Got the little loops. This is fun. <laughs> and then um, the Top Thorough Dragster, I remember when I went on that when I was in high school and that was like the new one at the time. And it was like all it did was go up and down, but it was like the fastest roller coaster at the time. 
And so when it first came out, the line was like three hours long, but the ride was maybe 10 seconds. Yeah. But luckily, <laughs> but luckily I went with my robotics team instead of instead of like a school trip. It was my robotics team. And we like all the schools started going home. So I got to ride it like two or three times in a row after all the like kids. Well, I was a kid, but like all of the schools went home. So that was cool. Yeah, those things are great, though. I do. I, I don't know why I like them so much, but I do. And I, I haven't Me been neither. On, <laughs> and I haven't been on one in a while. But I, if, you know, if somebody said right now, let's go, I go, okay, let's go. You know, I, I would be right in mm -hmm. there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <into> it. <laughs> so now I'm going to list uh, some highlights of projects that you worked on, and um, the reason I. Sometimes I list a lot because I feel like people out there need to know that some of our favorite um, TVs and movie shows, uh, TV shows and movies uh, that black people worked on them because sometimes we don't know. So um, I'm going to, I'm just going to do a few. Okay. So your first, uh, uh, you did Lord of the Rings with uh, Ralph Bakshi, um, right. uh, the, the Fox and the Hound, Muppet Babies, The Black Cauldron. She-Ra, Princess of Power, um, Tiny Toons Adventures, uh, Rover Dangerfield, uh, which I, I mentioned that because like it seems like every black person <laughs> like worked on that. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot did, yeah. Yeah, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Animaniacs, um, Seabear and Jamal, Wayne Head, Our <laughs> Friend Martin, The Proud Family, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Boondocks, uh, Class of 3000, and the Cleveland show, which we might have worked on some of the same episodes because in 2010, I was working at Digital Emation in South Korea. And so, and I was a, because um, I'm actually a 3D modeler. And, but I, towards the end, I, I wasn't keeping up with putting on my IMDB. So I'm not sure if we worked on some of the same episodes, but I'm, I'm guessing we did since you, it says 2010, so maybe. Let's see. Well, actually, I worked on, I think it was the first season of Cleveland, and that would have been, mm -hmm. let's see, well, close, because I, yeah, I was there, I think I was there up until 2009, mm -hmm. so I, I might have just missed the stuff. Well, I don't know, I mean, because we were doing storyboards, we were doing all the pre-production, and then, you know, we sent all yeah. the so, so yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we did work on the same episodes, quite possibly. That could be. Maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> let's life. see. Um, so, in working on uh, stuff like Wayne Head, Seabear and Jamal, our friend Martin, um, the Proud Family, Boondocks, Class of 3000, like, how did it feel to work on shows uh, featuring people that look like you? Well, that was nice. It was good. Um, I, I really enjoy it. See, the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of times what would happen is uh, studios will hire black artists, particularly on a show where they know they're going to have people of color because they figure, well, you know, obviously <laughs> a black person is going to understand, you know, the behavior of what a black person in a show would be, you know, which mm -hmm. is and sometimes, in some cases, we were given, you know, you had the ability to influence the show, mm -hmm. as, as I did with, uh, like, Proud Family and, and um, Wayne Head. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it, was, it was great. You know, I mean, it was great. I mean, I think to some degree there's a kind of um, 
deference they give us because it's a show with people of color. So, yeah. you know, to some degree, it was almost like you're hired because you're black. And yeah. because you, you, you know, obviously you're going to have an affinity for what you're doing. So I always sense that, you know, and, and then you would always end up being, you know, I mean, even, even so, you're still in the minority, you know, in, in a studio. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Even if you, there's, say, five or six or ten black people in it, there's probably still like 30 or 40 white people, you know, so, yeah. still, you know, you're still kind of lightly mixed in there, you know, but there mm -hmm. is a appreciation, which I think is nice. And, and so that, that makes it kind of fun to work on. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, you slightly mentioned it in your intro, but can you go into the um, full story of how you moved out to L.A.? Oh, OK. Um, well, OK, well, so. What happened was, uh, as I mentioned, I was an illustration major. I was an illustration major at Georgia State University. And uh, what happened was Ralph Bakshi had just done a film called Wizards. Mm -hmm. And he was taking it around and doing, a, um, I, I guess you call it a film junket, where he would go and promote his own film and mm -hmm. to get more people to watch it. And uh, a friend of mine mentioned that he was in town in Atlanta or going to be in town showing this mm -hmm. film. And I thought, wow, a film producer, you know, an animation film producer, because I knew who Ralph Bakshi was. I know he had done uh, Fritz the Cat, uh, which was the mm -hmm. first adult animated feature film. And he'd done uh, Heavy Traffic and, you know. But anyway, he, he was going to be in town. And I guess he was, in it. I didn't know he was doing Lord of the Rings, uh, but mm -hmm. I, I was going to be in town. So anyway, I thought, great, this, you know, I'll get to, maybe I can get to meet this guy. So I found out where they were going to have the screening. I got my portfolio and I thought, well, maybe what I could do is if I can get his attention, maybe I can have him look at my portfolio and tell me, tell me what I need to do. You know, because I was mm -hmm. like, no, I want to be in animation. I don't know anything about how I would do that. <laughs> you know, right. maybe get some pointers. And that's all I was looking for was just some, you know, creative some critique, uh, you know, some mm -hmm. creative uh, help and some tips. And so I went and saw the saw the film he'd done. And um, then he had a Q&A afterwards and I got his attention and I asked him if he would look at my work. And so after the Q&A, he, he took, some, took some time to look at my work. And uh, he just hired me on the spot. I mean, he mm -hmm. just literally, you know, I was like, wow. I mean, I didn't expect that. Because uh, all, all mm -hmm. I was looking, I just wanted some somebody to tell me something or help me out. And um, basically, he just said, "Well, if you come out to Los Angeles, uh, you got a job." You know. Nice. And so he um, he actually reimbursed me for my plane ticket and everything. So I came out here. I didn't I didn't have any. Um, the closest family I had was an uncle that lived in San Francisco. So mm -hmm. he met here, and I got set up in a hotel for a bit and then I got an apartment in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So my first place that I stayed was in Hollywood. And uh, Ralph's studio was on Kalangan Sunset, which is kind of in the center of Hollywood. So mm -hmm. this, is 19, this is 1977. And uh, so, yeah, so I went there and sure enough, he was good for his word and hired me and uh, made me an animator. and. The rest is history. I, I, I had the intention. This is really interesting because I was still in school. I was literally yeah. a, 
I think I was about a semester away from graduation. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I remember Ralph, and I was literally thinking, oh, I'm just going to go out for a little bit and I'll come back and finish school, right? Mm -hmm. And Ralph, kinda, he looked at me and sort of kind of talked me out of like, you know, why would I want to go back when, you know, if this is what I want to do. And I realized right. he was, I was like, yeah, wait a minute, he is right. I mean, this is what I want to do. And um, he's, yeah, so I, I stayed and, and mm -hmm. here I am, uh, you know, 43 years later, you know, um, was, it was my break, you know, it was, I, you know, I, I prayed about it, asked God to give me a, a good gig somewhere and hoping that someday I'd work in animation. He opened the door for this to happen and there we go. <laughs> yes. So what were some of the um, first shots you got to work on? Well, let's see. He started me out. Let's see. Well, he didn't. I, he was doing Lord of the Rings, which was great because I, you know, mm -hmm. I was familiar with the books. But he started me out on some other. Uh, it was uh, Hey Good Looking. He had this film mm -hmm. called Hey Good Looking, and so I guess he <laughs> typical Ralph. He had this scene of this black. Uh, what was it a white guy and walking down an alley with a bunch of black guys or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But she thought I could relate to it. <laughs> and he was kind of right, you know. So anyway, <laughs> kind of, he kind of gave me some stuff to do before he put me on Lord of the Rings. I think I just did. I think I just did one scene, and uh, of this guy who was going down this alleyway, and there was all these black guys standing around and giving him a hard time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I had to animate that. I don't know how well. Now when I look back on, it, I don't, don't remember how well I did. <laughs> In fact, I don't even know if I actually even finished the thing. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it was really exciting to just start doing this. But I think yeah. the rings, I'm trying to remember, like, what are the rings? Let's see, I think I got a scene, I'm trying to remember what it was now. I think it was a scene of Gandalf, mm -hmm. the wizard, mm -hmm. uh, doing something. I can't remember what it was now. Boy, it was such a long time ago. Um, yeah. It's okay. Sometimes I can't remember what I did last week. So. <laughs> yeah, I was well. This was forty some years ago. So. Yeah. So no judgment here. <laughs> but evidently, whatever I did was okay because uh, I, I stayed. <laughs> yeah. Throw me out. So I, you know, I guess I must have done okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I ended up. I ended up doing. I worked on a lot of characters. I think the main character that I got to work on was Aragorn, which is like okay. one of the heroic characters in the story. Which was great, and I was able to really identify with that character. Mm -hmm. But I got to draw a lot of different characters on that movie. I, mean, I think I pretty much worked on almost every character at some point. Uh, but I know Aragorn was like one of the main ones. I did a lot of Hobbit stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember they had this whole Balrog sequence. It was this, this, this dragon character, or whatever. And I worked on some of that because I saw the production when it was purely animation. Mm -hmm. And it shifted over to rotoscope because, it, as you know, the movie is uh, was completely rotoscope. But in the beginning, mm -hmm. in the beginning, it was actually uh, going to be hand animated, and they had done an entire sequence that was all yeah. hand animation. And that was when I started on it. Okay. What happened was that Ralph was looking for a distributor, and so he wanted to impress them. So we had this sequence that he had shot of these. Um, of the ring wraiths, which are the the bad guys that come after Frodo, 
And so he decided, well, he wanted it to look really realistic. So he got actors, filmed them, and then we rotoscoped that entire sequence. And it mm -hmm. turned out so beautiful. So I worked on some of it. Dale Bear worked on some of it. There's a bunch of us on it. Mm -hmm. The folks at United Artists loved it. So Ralph decided, well, gee, it looks great. Maybe we should just do the whole picture like that. So, <laughs> so he yeah. decided to shoot the entire movie. And then we, so we rotoscoped the entire movie. But um, it was a great experience. I, I, you know, I definitely, I mean, Ralph gave me my big break and I took mm -hmm. advantage of it. We took advantage of it. So. So can you tell the story about the um, black people meet up in, in the 90s? Oh, you mean the um, the thing that we did at Angelina's? <laughs> yeah, social. I recently posted the pictures um, on oh. social media. Oh, you were the one that did the thing on LinkedIn? Yeah, wow. and I didn't realize how many when I posted those pictures, I didn't realize how many people had never seen them. <laughs> like, oh, Marlon yeah. West was like, wow, this is the first time I've seen it since that day. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that was um, Paulette, Paulette Oates. Paulette mm -hmm. Oates, who was our, when I was directing at Warner Brothers when that was done. Mm -hmm. And Paulette was our supply manager at Warner's. She supplied all the artists. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it's came up in a conversation. How many black people are there in this business? <laughs> we we were all like, joking, like, oh, I wonder how many black people. I, was like, I don't know. I mean, in our heads, we think I oh, asked probably like ten of us, you know, or something like that. Nobody knew because we'd never all gotten together at one time. Yeah. So, um, and I don't remember whose idea it was. I think it might have been Paulette. I don't know. So anyway, mm -hmm. we, we're just you know having fun about it. So well, hey, why don't we? Um, let's have a get together you know mm -hmm. and so it was decided that well uh, let's have a get together at angelina's you know, angelina's is like the soul food place at mm -hmm. the time in, mm -hmm. in los angeles one of the places there was like two but angelina's was a big deal and it was like right up the street from where we were working mm -hmm. so we put out calls i think i i don't remember who did it i think it was a bunch of people that did it mm -hmm. and put out all the invitations like anybody you know we want to find out how many black people we're going to do this. And I, I think, um, I don't even remember how, I think there was, we also came up with the idea of like, I don't know, maybe they were going to pay for it. Your studio was going to pay. I don't know how it worked. Anyway, yeah. everybody, everybody showed up and it was like, whoa, I mean, we filled up. The place. <laughs> and at the time, I think in the local, I think there were, I want to say there was maybe four thousand people i think in the local or five thousand something like that mm -hmm. and so i believe i could be wrong but i think it was like about 35 of us maybe somewhere mm -hmm. between 35 and 40 that showed up and i don't know if it was everybody but it was pretty much everybody yeah it was really cool it was like oh <laughs> we kind of looking around like i mean we were all surprised that there was that many of us you know, <laughs> we didn't <laughs> You know, and I remember somebody made the joke, like, said, well, I hope they don't bomb this place and get us all in one. We all must fight, you know, take us all out at one time. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody was there. I mean, most of the folks that you probably have talked to were were there. Yeah. Know? Yeah, most of them were there. <laughs> I mean, I look at picture my the pictures that you put up. I remember I looked at myself like, oh, my goodness, I was so thin back then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> must have been like 140 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad I could, because I was um, 
I did the interview with Leo Sullivan, and he talked about how he had some of the pictures. I was like, oh, well, if you can find them, uh, send them to me. And then um, Dan Haskett hit me up and told me that Swinton Scott had the pictures, and then Swinton um, gave them to me, and so I posted them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Golly, yeah, because there's so many people there. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are uh, sadly not not around anymore. Uh, Ray Johnson mm-hmm. is there. Uh, he's gone. Um, oh, golly. Um, can't think. There's another fellow who, who, I, who died. I can't remember what his name was, but I think um, also uh, Betty or something. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Betty, uh, Betty Vaughn. She she mm-hmm. passed well too way too. Yeah, she was there. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people there. Um, mm-hmm. Rick Smith, Rick Smith was there. Uh, yeah, I mean it was a, it was uh, we were the, the gang was all here. Lou Scarborough, Lou Scarborough, yep, yeah, he passed away too. Yeah, just, a lot of us are gone. Not not yeah. everybody, but you know there, there's a lot of folks. A lot of folks at Bob Tyler still are. You know, most of us are still around, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good time. <laughs> so, uh, how? So, what was um, the hard thing about directing for you at first, and what do people have to like learn or realize to get the hang of it? Wow. Uh, yeah, well, directing was definitely. Uh, I had to. I had I worked hard at understanding what the heck I was supposed to do. I, I hit the ground running, but I had I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Arvitello, who was the producer of the show, the first show that I directed, which uh, directed on, which was uh, Tasmania. Okay. Uh, he gave me my shot at directing, and uh, and it was just the fact that he had confidence in me because I was an mm-hmm. animator. I think he felt that I knew enough to do it, and, mm-hmm. I, and I didn't want to disappoint him. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I had help. He helped to kind of get the ropes. It, it, the directing is um, it's tricky business. It's tricky business because when you're an artist and you know you're so used to being hands-on, you want to do everything yourself. Yeah. To kind of learn that the real key to being a good director is delegation, being able to let somebody else do the work and you just guide the ship. Your job is you're the captain, you know, mm-hmm. and you have all these folks helping you, you know, do your job. And that, I think that was maybe the hardest thing for me. I was so accustomed to like, I just, you know, I, I can do that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. my production manager was always saying, now, Leonard, you, you let, you get, we got somebody to do that. No, no, no. And then, you know, and I, oh, I could draw, I could do this. No, no, you know. Because I'm fast too. I'm a pretty fast artist, so I figured, oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, but I had to learn how to delegate, and that was uh, for me. That was really hard. But it took a little while. Um, picking the right crew, I think that's the hard thing. Mm-hmm. And also, too, it's the. I think maybe the really hard thing is knowing. You know, when you when you know you're not when you know you don't have the exact people that you want. Mm-hmm. trying to get you know and it then it becomes like oh boy and realizing that you're making decisions about these people's careers right which, uh, it, it's a terrible responsibility i i you know i don't want that responsibility you know, and i'm the kind of person that i have a lot of faith in people i don't mm-hmm. a people person i care about people so 
I, I might keep a person that might not be exactly what I need them to be. Mm -hmm. If I see potential, then I will stick with them. And I had a few folks like that on my crew who um, I was told, in fact, uh, maybe I should get rid of this person. Maybe I should get rid of that person. I didn't do it. I said, nah, you know what? I think this person's going to work out. And it turns out they did. They turned out not only did they work out and it turned out to be great, but they went on to do really well because I, I had faith that they would. Yeah. I, I took a big chance, but I think it was the right chance to take. I'm, 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 it's not, I, I, it's hard. It would be hard to fire somebody that that's mm -hmm. that very hard for me. Um, especially if I'd hired the person, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, what, what I guess I learned was that the, being a people person or understanding how to work with people is definitely a skill that you have to work on constantly. Yeah. Because you don't know what you're dealing with with people. You have all kinds of people. And it's, it's a tricky business. It's not easy. I wouldn't say it's easy. So if you're a good director, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure what a good director is. I, I guess a good director is a combination of a, a, a people person but also a good captain of the ship, knowing mm -hmm. when to make a big decision that's going to either put you ahead or behind. You can't let anything, you can't let some small thing throw off the ship. The ship is still, the, the, the overall responsibility of the project is paramount. And no one person should be too important that they throw that off. Yeah. And that's, that's a difficult one. You know, mm -hmm. so hard thing to do uh so you've been a professor and taught at otis college art design uh what do you think about training programs which were the norm some decades ago versus relying on people's training from college which is kind of the norm today um there is a slight drop off between what you can learn in school and what you learn on the job i think they're mm -hmm. things um it, you know, I've been teaching for, gosh, I think about 30 years now almost. And um, what I see today is I see that um, you have a lot of folks teaching. You know, teaching has kind of become a fun thing. Everybody's doing it, you know. Everybody's doing it. But there is a, there is a, slight disparity i think between what you learn in school and what you actually can use in a job um studios have recruitment departments and which i think in some ways are kind of counterproductive to what a student learns in school mm -hmm. um, studios i personally think they're a, well my own personal feelings i think they're a tremendous waste of time having recruitment departments because it's a tremendous expenditure mm -hmm. and it's head that I feel is wasted. If a student, if you've got people who have developed websites and portfolios, what you need is the director or somebody at the top of the food chain to say, yeah, I like this. I like that. Pick a few people, interview them and give them jobs. That's what we did when I was a director. That's how mm -hmm. we did it. Uh, today, you go through this entire recruitment process, which I just think is a I think it's a very expensive thing for a studio to have a recruitment. I think it's a very unnecessary thing. Yeah. They, they're testing people. They're just re spinning people's wheels. They're insulting people who are talented already. 
mm-hmm. it's like testing them. It's like, well, why can't you just look at what they've got and hire them? You know, because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna go through a period of, of ramping up and learning what you're doing anyway. So yeah. the basics that we try to teach in school are you know basic draftsmanship, anatomy, design, basic things about drawing, perspective, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. When you get in the studio, you're going to learn every studio has their own peculiarities as to how they work. So it's really the studio's responsibility to put people in the position and they ramp up. You know, mm-hmm. I think in school, we can teach the students some basic things that they right. run into in a job. And then uh, then they should be able to implement those things. You know, like, for instance, I've taught storyboarding. So I teach basics of storytelling, visual storytelling like that. You get in a job, let's say you went, went to work for DreamWorks. Well, DreamWorks may have a very specific way of doing what they do now. Yeah. We might have to teach uh, the students how to use a certain kind of software. Like DreamWorks likes to use Photoshop, so we have to teach them how to use Photoshop to do storyboards. Or if they're using uh, Toon Boom Storyboard Pro, we have to teach them that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of things you can learn in school. And then when you get in the job, you know, the job they're going to ask you, oh, well, we use this program we use that program so so i mean i think that's all that's necessary but yeah there is a slight gap between i think what you learn in school and what you get on a job i think there's there's not enough of a marriage of those things Mm -hmm. um some of that i think you have to the schools have to develop uh, where you have a you know you you develop a curriculum you develop and you bring students you bring teachers in who are all like myself we're professionals in the business mm-hmm. to set up the departments and then make a connection between the school and the studios. So, yeah. I mean, I was one school I taught at years ago um, was uh, Associates in Art, and mm-hmm. I used to, I made a, a connection between the school and Disney and whatever. And I would have people come over from Disney and look at our, our student work. So they would know, oh, okay, you have this go. And we, we recommend people and then they get interviews. Because I think that's that way it's easier for the students instead of them having to knock on a door and maybe somebody will talk and maybe not. The teacher can say, hey, I, I have this student, I have that student, I think they're quite good. Mm-hmm. You know, here's some of their work. You kind of run a little interference for the student and that gives them a leg up and then they can go get an interview. And then you teach them how to be in an interview. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's where school can work. And I don't say that I see that's happening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's something that needs to happen. It would make things a lot easier, I think, for students. I think something I've experienced in um, job searching uh, when I moved to Los Angeles is that there's something that the recruitment team sees and then they push me on. But then that's once I get to the people who are actually doing the work, they're like, eh, I don't know if she fits. And so there's that where there's probably that disconnect of they might, the recruitment people might not have the experience in the industry to know what to look for. But then also to speak earlier about, you know, the people you gave a chance, I feel like sometimes the animation industry lacks imagination in hiring people <laughs> like, because it's like they have to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And see, that goes to show that the people who are making those decisions in these jobs are not really doing a good way. It's not, it's not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got to see somebody that's going to do the exact thing 
that you're looking for, you know, you're already wrong. <laughs> you know, that, that's wrong. Okay. But if I had done that, I would not have hired some of the very best people that I ever had. Some of the best story people, some of the best artists, you know, I just looked at what they have in their portfolios. Like, oh, this person's good. Boom. You know, they didn't need to. I didn't test anybody. Tests, mess. It's a test, you know. I, it, yeah, let's go, let's go into that. That's one of my questions. What are your thoughts on tests? <laughs> you can expound on that. I hate them. I think test. The test it says something about the studio that's giving it. Number one, it says they don't know what the heck they're doing mm -hmm. because they don't have any idea of what talent is. Okay. Mm -hmm. They, they're, and, and they're, and they're wasting people's time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen people, I have a lot of colleagues, you know, people like myself who've been in the business for 30, 40 years and they have to test, which I think is an insult. I think yeah. the very first I've heard time, about that. Yeah. I think it's a tremendous insult. It's like, oh, okay. So I got to dance by your music mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, you don't hire me and you know, what am I supposed to think about that? You know, you, you know I've even I've even heard of a guy who did freelance for a studio, did their work, and they reached out to him to come back, and then had him do a test. <laughs> See, that, that's idiotic. That is absolutely <laughs> idiotic. No, I I am. In fact, I am so against these tests. I was just talking to a, a colleague of mine, another guy who's just another. He's a brilliant concept artist. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had the test, and this guy was like a concept designer for DreamWorks, you know. Anyways, and I said, you know what? We should have a, a little get together at the union because they have mm -hmm. they have it's a clause in our contract that got put there. We, I think, it got voted on, and to the effect that okay, we'll do the test, whatever. Uh, we had to make so because when they first started doing these tests, they were misusing the privilege. I mean, they mm. were testing. They were testing people and then they were using their work and not paying. Oh, yeah. So we, we hammered them on that. And then they came up with a clause saying, okay, test whatever. We had a fancy name for it. Anyways, I, I was saying, you know, this is time we need to adjust this thing. I think we, because it's a tremendous misuse of the privilege. Mm -hmm. So I think, okay, if they're going to test us, then they should pay us. Pay for the test. You want, you, you're wasting our time. You're asking. Mm -hmm. I said, why are we auditioning? We're not, you know, this is not the acting business. And I said, an actor can go in and in 15, 20 minutes, he's in and out and he's done. Right. You test somebody, that's hours of their time, hours. Mm -hmm. So why don't you pay them? Because see, I, I just think they're misusing the privilege. Mm -hmm. I'll bet you, I'll bet you, and if we change it and say, okay, you guys pay us, pay us our rate, pay us our hourly rate and we'll do the test. Then that way we have an incentive. So then if they don't hire you, Mm -hmm. Got compensated for it, you know. Now that'll jerk the slack out of these jerks because I think that <laughs> they're screwing around with us, and you know, it's like we need to stop. We need to put a stop to it because because it's un, it's always been unnecessary. It's an insult to people who are who have seniority, who've been in the business. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sorry, but you look at uh, you look at these shows, and I'm sorry, but these shows are not that. Uh, I mean, when I was coming up, the animation stuff we were doing. Quality was up there. Yeah. Shows today. I'm sorry, I won't name names, <laughs> but uh, I personally think a lot of this stuff that we're seeing today is not very 
doesn't look good. And so why should we be testing for that? And I mean, you know, if it's something, <laughs> if it's if it's ducktails or if it's animaniacs or you know, if it's something where it's actually drawn well, <laughs> yeah, talent, you know, okay, maybe. I still don't think you should test for any of that. Mm -hmm. Sorry, some of some of these some of these cartoons, and, I, and like I said, I'm not going to name names. I don't I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to, but you know what I mean. I mean, you look at this stuff, and I'm sorry, but you know, uh, I, why am I? Why would I test for that? And I mean, and there's some shows I don't want to work on, and I won't mm -hmm. think about that either because it's just like, well, you know, I, I, if I'm going to work on something, I want to be, I want it to be appealing. I want to enjoy. Yeah. And a lot of these things today, in fact, so much so, and this is another conversation that I had with a colleague. I said, you know, I think I'm going to design a show of my own, mm -hmm. something that I like, just to get something out there, because I'm just tired of seeing all this ugly stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think it's ugly. <laughs> I don't like it. But that's that's just me. Maybe mm -hmm. you know, shows. I guess they're doing well. You know that. You know what the trick is with shows today? They're very badly designed. But they're very, mm -hmm. they're well written. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. So you write, your writing is good, but the art is. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's yeah. how they. And I, I don't know whether it's because the people who artistically create the show can't draw. I don't know what it is. Or maybe they think it's cute to draw badly. I don't know what's going on. Whatever. I've heard about that in the like in the adult themed where the the characters have to be ugly for some reason. I've heard oh, that. Yeah. Like or complaint. <laughs> People are like, why do they always have to be ugly? <laughs> well, uh, well, okay. I mean, you know, okay. I'll I'll name it or two. Uh, Bojack Horseman, which I think is is a well written show. Bojack mm -hmm. Horseman, it's funny. Um, and I wouldn't say it's really bad looking, but mm -hmm. it's you know it's it's kind of quirky. Yeah. But it's but it's, it's the writing's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I worked on the very first season of The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not crazy about the design for The Simpsons either, but but I will say this, it wasn't easy to draw. It was mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, it's a stylistic show, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Cleveland is a nice show. I enjoyed working on that show. I thought, you know, the drawing was decent on that. You know, all the family guy, that stuff, uh, American, you know, to me, that's that's not an ugly show. I mean, it's big, mm -hmm. you know, but but then, so you go to the other end of the spectrum, something like South Park, which is really funny. I mean, <laughs> I, I I laugh my my ass off on South Park, and it's, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I mean, there's nothing to it really, you know, design wise. But yeah. it's fun to watch. It's well, you know. So I don't know. I, I think I think it's the formula. It's like you know the, the old saying yeah. about Hollywood. Hollywood will just continue to you know chase its own tail. So it's like, yeah. it's like it's like well that works well if it ain't broke don't fix it you know so what so they'll just follow whatever's popular you know so yeah. right now the ugly shows are popular like because <laughs> they're making money you know so you know but then you watch somebody will come out with a nice looking show and it'll make mm -hmm. money they'll copy that uh, that yeah. one of the future ones um, like uh, was that Steven Universe that that looks pretty good that's got a nice design to it. Mm -hmm. and, Anything that Gindi Tartakovsky does is gorgeous. That stuff mm -hmm. is a new show called Primal. Awesome. Mm -hmm. you know, that guy can do no wrong, in my opinion. So, <laughs> you know, so you, you know, but I don't know. I just, the, the testing thing is, I think, is sadly, it, it's um, it, it, it's something that needs to go away. It's it's never, 
it was never a good idea. It was never needed. Yeah. I, I think the studios are spending way more money on their recruitment departments to give people jobs they don't need. Um, Disney Studios was the first one to do this. And I remember they had a department with 30 people in it in the recruitment mm -hmm. And I thought, what are these people doing all day? Are they are they surfing Facebook or something? What what the heck are they doing? You know, are they they collecting portfolios? And then you find out that people apply and they don't even get a, a reply back from people. So yeah. if you get a department that big, you think, well, wouldn't they be sending letters? I mean, at least all those people would have a job, right? They'd be typing letters or corresponding. And I hear people say they don't get any kind of response. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, what are they doing? You know, <laughs> I, I don't get, I don't get what all the testing's about. You know, just yeah. So, so have have you done any um, mentoring of artists? Oh yeah, quite a bit. I'm, I still do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, continuous. I I do my own online classes, so I do a lot of online classes throughout the week. Uh, I'm currently doing an online class for uh, Laguna College. I do that, mm -hmm. but uh, I have right now two, three. I have three students that I'm doing uh, classes mentoring. Four, I'm sorry, I have four actually. So mm -hmm. yeah, and I do that continuously, and I try to give them a good price too. I mean, I, I give my prices are very competitive, mm -hmm. so I, you know because I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm a big believer of not raping the students. <laughs> yeah, so I, I give them a I give them a rate. I even let them pay in an installment, so that way they don't nice. have to with all the money because, you know, I mean, they're trying to learn. And then I yeah. also, you know, give them, you know, point them at jobs. You know, if I see a job, hey, you know, I'll send them a thing, apply for this, apply for that. So, yeah, so I mean, somebody helped me, so I, I try to pass it on. Nice. Um, you said before that uh, technological art tools are for the experienced and people who have learned the foundation. Uh, why are the basics and foundational skills important for all artists? Well, because uh, it gives you a leg up. It gives you a, 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 con a confident platform to leap from. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if an artist, if an artist doesn't, if their drawing skills and their habits, drawing habits are not very good or not well developed, um, the, you know, the, the digital platform is a very deceptive and yet very wonderful platform. Mm -hmm. What I see is I see a lot of students using it as a kind of a, a crutch to prevent them mm -hmm. from having to actually put the work and time in. Uh, there's things they can do to get over uh, mm -hmm. without having to be able to draw well. And I, you know, I... I I was introduced to the digital platform storyboarding wise back, let's say that would have been 2006 or, well, two, yeah, I think it was like 2007 or eight or something like that. That mm -hmm. was when I first got involved. That's when I was working on Cleveland. That was the first time I did that. And, and they mm -hmm. had uh, Storyboard Pro and I learned how to use Storyboard Pro. And um, once I got a hang of the hang of it, I realized, wow, this is made for for us. It's made for the people who already know how to draw because, yeah. you know, it's like, wow, you can do this. You know, there's all these cool things you can do. So I think it's important to have those basics, you know. Mm -hmm. Right now, for instance, I'm teaching a, a traditional animation class at, at, over at Laguna College. And the students, of course, naturally want to work digitally. And I've had to kind of 
reel them in and say, now, well, I know you want to do this, but this is the reason why, you know, you yeah. because it just gives you a, it gives you a leg up and uh, it just makes you a more confident artist so that when you go into the digital platform, you go in with a lot of muscle and uh, yeah. you, know, you have everything you need. Because um, most of the kids, you know, they, this is how they be learning on the digital platform. They, they're not drawing on paper. They're not taking anatomy. They're not taking life drawing. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many times I run into students who haven't had any life drawing classes. And I said, no, you need to take life drawing. You need to take some anatomy class. <laughs> well, do I really have, what is that? I said, no, this is what you have to do. <laughs> yeah. You're a good artist. You're going to have to put in the time. And, and there's no shortcut to that. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to do what you got. I said because look at it like this. I said if you're cutting corners and and, and you got a thousand guys on your left doing the same thing you're doing, a thousand guys on your right, and a thousand guys. But I said yeah, I can pick any of those guys. I said but if a person walks in here and they've got solid drawing skills, they're solid draftsmanship. That person's gonna leap out of the crowd. Guess who I'm gonna hire? I'm gonna hire that person. Because mm -hmm. I can see they've got the skill. I can see they've got proficiency. I can see they've spent time to learn the craft. Mm -hmm. That's the person I'm going to. I'm not going to hire somebody that's a Photoshop, you know, jockey that can cheat his way through. I'm not going to hire that guy. There's there's a jillion of them, you know. I'm not going to yeah. hire. I'm not going to hire any of them. I'm only going to hire the guy or the gal that's got the skill. If they got the skill, you're going to see it. It'll mm -hmm. show up portfolio. That is not something you can fake. Yeah. Can't, can't fake that. You either you either have that skill or you don't. It's Especially to the people who know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, I, I recognize it in a minute. I, I see students all the time. I can tell in a minute. Like, ah, skill, skills. I see it. You know? And those are the people I hire. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> So you've been not nominated for a couple of awards and you have a Peabody Award. How does it feel to be recognized for your work? Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a beautiful feeling. I, I, I'm humbled. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you get an award, you, you don't expect it. You know, I, mean, mm -hmm. I, I realize that it, it's like now I look back and I realize that I, it wasn't why I was doing it. Right. But when you get it, it's like, wow, it's really nice, you know. And it, it does make you realize that there's some apex or plateau or something that once you you hit that, that there's a level of respect and a level of recognition. People see that you've risen to a certain level and they recognize mm -hmm. your work. And it is, it's a very nice thing. It's nice. I mean, I think, to be honest with you, you know who I'm really the most, uh, I feel the most good, respectful feeling from? is kids, <laughs> the kids, and I tell them what I worked on, they get all excited. Yeah. They're the ones that actually, because that's who I really do it for. I did it for them. Right. Mm -hmm. When I was working on Animaniacs, I tell them how oh, kids go crazy. Animaniacs, you're working at, you know, I mean, you know. I that, go crazy. I love Animaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> that to me, I mean, the award is great and it's nice and it hangs on my wall, you know, all that wonderful stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's the kids. When the, the kids are the ones, they get excited about the cartoons you do, and, uh, and you know, and they'll oh, and I, and I love it when they'll I'll do a little drawing for them of something I've worked on. Oh, they just think that's the most wonderful thing in the world, and I think yeah, this is this is why I did this. This is yeah. <laughs> this is why I got into this business is because I wanted to entertain people. I wanted to right. communicate how 
I felt and, and I want them to appreciate it. So when they do, I feel like I've done my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what are like some personal art projects that you've had or working on? Hmm. Well, um, the business just keeps me so busy. That <laughs> I haven't really, you know, so that, and that's, that's been, oh, and that's the thing that's so frustrating too, because you, you want to do your own stuff. I, yeah. I have, I have, let's see. Um, well, I have, I think three, well, maybe more like five ideas for features that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, just moved out here. I had two, one that I had almost written a script for, and I had done a whole bunch of artwork for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I've done some little short films, just little mm -hmm. fun things for myself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I haven't really had the time, you know. I, I got married, had a kid, we had kids. Yeah. You know? It was work, 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 you know. <laughs> um, so, so to go along that train, what are, uh, what do you hope uh, young black animators do in the current landscape that you wish you would have done at their age <laughs> with all this technology and platforms such as YouTube? Well, I, I tell my students all the time, I said, you guys are so fortunate. I said, we didn't have anything like this when I was a kid. I mean, we, if you wanted to make your own film when I came into the business, you know, you had to rent a camera, I mean, you, had mm -hmm. set up, you know, you had to shoot your anime, you had to draw your animation on paper. Mm -hmm. you, know? you had Xerox it or ink it, then you had to paint it. You know, then you had to hire a camera service to shoot it. And then, you, you know, it went on forever. You know, I mean, you just a two, three minute film cost you, you know, a ton of money. You know, so, I mean, now kids, you know, they get these little free programs or whatever. They animate something, they put it in color, it's all done, you know. So mm -hmm. I thought, it's like, hey, you, you guys live in exciting times. Take advantage of it, you know. I mean, go, go make something. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I, now, right. that, now that I got these all, because I have a lot of this programs and I'm so I am doing little things mm -hmm. um, yeah I mean I have a YouTube channel mm -hmm. uh, I'm storing some animation out here and there nothing of any great consequence but, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I've got some ideas and it mostly my, my thing is that I get so structured about what I want to do then I don't get mm -hmm. you know it's like oh yeah great this is gonna be other than I don't do anything right yeah <laughs> I film myself I do a lot of film things and you know I have mm -hmm. That I do on, on my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. um, called Three Minute Ministry, where I talk about the Bible and stuff, because that's kind of a big thing in my it's a very big thing in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would love to do some little short things. But I but I tell I tell my students I said you know um, go make stuff you know I mean you guys know how to draw I mean animate yeah go make something and I tell them just make don't 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 get too ambitious just make a little do something right. short. You know, put it up on YouTube, put it up on Vimeo or whatever, and just have fun, you know, mm -hmm. because that's how you get started. I said, you know, getting a job, you know, that's good. Get a job, whatever. But you're going to find, I think, you're going to find a lot more um, satisfaction, I think, in making your own stuff. Yeah. And, even, and even if you just make something and it's only 30 seconds or 10 seconds, you know, just make something. It's still <laughs> you know? yours. It's, yeah, just make something. Because I think having that mentality of mm -hmm. making your own stuff, I think that I tell my students this all the time, just, just do your own stuff. You know, mm -hmm. Get a job, but do your own stuff. Mm -hmm. don't, wait, don't wait to get a gig to do the animation. Do the animation now. Do everything you want to do now. When you don't, 
You're not getting paid for it, but just do it anyway. And that's where you're going to find your side. And then a lot of times, if you've got something, a good idea, and you put it up, you, you might be, you're, you're publicizing yourself. Yeah. So realistically, you know, I mean, studios now actually will look for talent through YouTube. <clears throat> so that's why I tell them, just make your own stuff, you know, because mm -hmm. somebody make, you know, I had one student, in fact, that's exactly what happened. She was, um, I think she said she was approached by uh, Netflix or somebody that they saw some, some of her work or, and I said, great, good for you, you know, go for it. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, I say, go do, do it that way. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. <laughs> Is there an origin story to the name um, Big Daddy of Love? <laughs> <laughs> Golly, you know, I, I, I <laughs> um, hmm, yeah, I guess there is. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. When I, I I've been I've been working on this one for a while. <laughs> um, I have a friend, a good friend, uh, Mike Lipman, who lives mm -hmm. in uh, San Francisco. He lives in the Bay Area, and we work together years ago i was working at film we were working at filmation together mm -hmm. and i think i want to say the big daddy part came from him i don't remember how i got started <laughs> uh, he i know he somewhere along the line i know mike started this with me i don't remember he did some drawings and maybe called me big daddy or something like that. and i wasn't a, i wasn't the big daddy that i am now you know the, the guy was, I was thin. I should have called thin daddy. I don't know what. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, I got it came from something. I don't remember what mm -hmm. it was, and it just stuck. And then I adopted it. The big dad. Mm -hmm. I added the of love that came from me <laughs> because I love people, and you know. Yeah. So I call myself the big daddy of love, and then I think somewhere along the line, I found out that there was a jazz group called the Big Daddy of Love or something like. That. Nice. Anyway, I had a website for a long time. It's called Big Daddy Animation. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I just kind of went crazy with it. Yeah, just uh, it, it started. Mike somehow got it started. At least I think he did. Mm -hmm. And then I just ran with it, and people just started calling me Big Daddy. I was calling myself Big Daddy, and yeah, it just uh, <laughs> it sprung a leak and went crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, I hope. Wait now, though you know it's like I, 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 I just, just recent. In fact, I just recently uh, changed my diet. I, I was in the mm -hmm. hospital for like a week, and uh, I mm. had a stomach thing, and yeah, I'm okay now. But I had, uh, yeah, I, I, my wife suggested that I change my diet, and after going through that, I said, yeah, you're right. And so that's what I've been doing. And uh, yeah, your body is talking to you. It, yeah, yeah, it was a wake up call. It was a wake up mm -hmm. call. And uh, I guess I've lost a little weight already, but um, mm -hmm. I feel a lot better because I've changed my diet completely. That's great. Throughout all my alcohol, I was a big drinker and mm -hmm. um, got rid of all that. Got rid of all my bad food, all my bad snacks. Got rid of all that. Yeah. Now I'm, you know, a lot of vegetables. Um, you know, kind of vegan diet almost. Um, just, and I like it. I'm actually like it. You know, so feeling much Ooh. better. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you really like anime, so what do you like about it? Hmm. Well, anime was, gosh, it, it's such a, was, was, and I guess kind of, it's not a big part of my life now, but it was a huge part of my life. Um, I got into it 
Well, I mean, I kind of always sort of knew about it when I was a little kid. I used to watch Astro Boy. Astro mm -hmm. Boy would come on on Saturday mornings. Saturday morning at six thirty, and I would I remember sneaking into the living room and turning on our set. We had one of those old uh, black and white sets that had to warm up. You know, you turn it on yeah. a minute for it to warm. And and I had to turn it on real low because I didn't want my parents to hear. And what are you doing up at six thirty or whatever? But I loved Astro Boy. I thought that was so cool. I didn't know it was anime back then. I, you know, mm -hmm. The term anime I didn't find out about till later. But where I really kind of got into it was. Um, I was um, at Disney Studios, mm -hmm. and I made friends with this fellow, uh, Peter Chung, who mm -hmm. is an extremely talented artist, just amazing talent. Um, and um, he sort of introduced me to anime, and, and mm -hmm. I realized I had seen it here and there and didn't know that that's what it was. And he turned me on to um, Miyazaki, the mm -hmm. anime director who does these beautiful feature films. And I remember, I think the very first thing I saw was this movie called, um, uh, it was a Lupin, Lupin in uh, Castle Cagliostro. And there's this whole story about, about this guy. It was great was movie, animated movie, but it, it felt like a live action movie, but it was animated. Yeah. I fell in love with it because I thought, wow, anime, I'd never seen animation do that before. Yeah. Because the way the Japanese animation, you know, they have these, um, well, there's just tricky things they do with the camera and the way they set up their shots and the way they, they, they have their own kind of stylistic movement. And it yeah. was just fresh to me. It was like, wow, what's this? You know, so different. And so Peter kind of got me into that. I started collecting and I was really like, what's this? And then I found out that it was this huge subculture because um, like Peter would go to, um, uh, he would take a trip to Japan mm -hmm. and he'd come back and he'd have all these videotapes. This is videotapes back then. Mm -hmm. And he would take stuff off TV. And I guess in Japan, they had constant animation made up like 30% of their, of their entertainment, which is on, you know, completely different from here in America. Yeah. So he was, you know, introducing me to all this animation. What's this, you know? Then he says, oh, well, you know, then he took me down to little Tokyo, down in Los Angeles, downtown LA. And there was this whole, they had these bookstores that had all this, uh, these manga comics. Mm -hmm. Literally thousands. I was just like, oh my, you know, I mean, like, I'm a comic book guy. And I go to the mm -hmm. comic store. But this was like something else. Like, what is this, you know? So, you know, I just went nuts, you know. And then I found out there was more than one of these big, and I just went nuts. And I found out there was all this animation stuff. And what's this? What's that? I was just amazed. So I just wanted to see all of it, start buying everything, you know, and for like a good 10, 15, maybe 20 years, I just stocked up on the stuff I had. It, you know, because I, I think it was just because culturally it was so different from what we were doing here. Yeah. And, it, and, and also too, the way the Japanese looked at entertainment as far as animation went, completely different from the way we did it. It was like, yep. we're trying to do this very full, beautiful movement and, and mm -hmm. you know which which is great and i love that <laughs> mm -hmm. but here the japanese were doing this very kind of you know they would get in the way with you know doing things on fives and sixes and you know around but somehow it was kind of fun and appealing and i thought well hmm, this is different you know and that but it was the stories and the the subject matter was just yeah. completely different you know 
So I, I fell in love with it. I was really into it and I, and I still like it. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think I kind of peeked out on it though. It was like, <laughs> I was just spending like thousands of dollars on this stuff. You know, finally I just, I just ran out of steam or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't collect it anymore, but I still have a lot of stuff. My kids have grown up on, you know, a lot of mostly Miyazaki movies. I had the, the My Neighbor Totoro, which is a charming little film, and mm -hmm. you know, they the kids grew up watching Japanese <laughs> with the Japanese versions. <laughs> oh <laughs> so yeah, songs and jazz. They didn't know what they were. I didn't know what they were saying. I didn't know. <laughs> so I, I and I've always had a, a love for Japanese culture, and I, I would love to someday still go over there and see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a very different um, way of looking at entertainment, and yeah, I think it was just because it was different that was what attracted me to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you also like uh, Korean spas. <laughs> I I lived in South Korea for two years and have never stepped foot in a Jim Bong. Like, what do you like about them? Wow, you really did your homework on me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love them. I, well, well, and uh, you know what? And this kind of went hand in hand with the anime because, um, I would go down to little Tokyo. I would, um, go to the manga stores or buy whatever, you know, and then I would walk around little Tokyo and I would just like, what, what's, you know, just cause I, once again, was interested. I, it was the entire Japanese culture. Well, the first spas I went to were, were, Tokyo spas. They were, in fact, they were the first spa I ever went to was called Tokyo Spa, <laughs> uh -huh. and it was right next to a restaurant, the a sushi restaurant. So I was just in as a sushi, anything Japanese, right? Uh -huh. and, um, and and it's like, oh gosh, how did I? Yeah, okay. Oh, here, here's a good story. You'll like this. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was working on Rover. I was working on Rover Dangerfield, uh, mm -hmm. and I I had come. Um, I I was well. I'll get into that, but anyway. I was working at Rover Dangerfield and I had finished this scene. It was very important that I get this right because it was going to be, they were going to move us out here based on whether they like my work or something. You know? mm -hmm. So anyway, I'd gotten the scene done and it was right and they loved it and everything was great. But I, I was really stressed. Uh, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, one of the guys who was a good friend of mine, one of the directors, uh, he, he was getting, his wife was massaging him, and I said, oh, man, I sure could use something like that, you know. And mm -hmm. so he told me about this place in little Tokyo called Tokyo Spa. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> and yeah, I said, well, now, I don't want to go to some weird place now. I don't want to go somewhere and have some gals come out with, you know, leather bikinis and handcuffs. I don't know, you know, that's not my thing. I, I want to go. I said, I want to relax. You know? All right. <laughs> Don't worry. It's, you know, it's legit. You know, okay. You know. So I went in there and uh, wow. Um, I was amazed. I mean, mm -hmm. I, apparently this was like just something that, that they do. And, you know, they had the jacuzzi and the sauna and all that. And I remember the little gal came out. She must have been like four foot something, you know. And I thought, well, what's she going to do? <laughs> and, uh, she bit me into like a pretzel. She was stronger than I thought, but, <laughs> but, I, but, but she completely relaxed me. I was like, wow, this was great. You know, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. So it was, that was the Genesis. And yeah. uh, so then I was like, oh, so then I became a spa nut. I just started going to spa. At that, at that time I was directing. So I had the money, you know, <laughs> so like every, every week, you know, oh, spa, you know, 
I tried mm-hmm. to strike my wife to go. She didn't. She was not into that, you know. <laughs> I, I think I drug her to Burke Williams one time, and she kind of really liked that. Mm-hmm. But um, the way I started to go to the Korean spas, that was kind of more of a recent thing, uh, was because they're cheaper. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, like in Los Angeles, they have, I think there's six or seven Korean spas, and they're also really good. They're they're mm-hmm. well. You know, for the most part, the Korean spas, you go in and you pay one price and you can use the facilities. So it's like, um, you know, they have the jacuzzi, the saunas, different types of saunas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all that stuff. And then if you want to get a massage, you have to pay extra for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just started going to them because they were cheap. But most of the time, I just wanted to go in and have a bath and shower, get in the jacuzzi, get in the steam room, you know. And that would be enough. I didn't necessarily need to get a massage. It just relaxes me, you know, and it's cheap enough. And then some of them would give you a package so that you could go, you pay one yeah. price like five or six or 10 times. But um, yeah, I just, I just fell in love and I just became a spa nut. And mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the big things I miss during this whole COVID thing is because they're all closed now. And I'm like, oh, but I've got a massage chair. <laughs> My wife bought me a massage chair for Christmas one year, and I still have it here. And you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking, like, well, you know, in my next house, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna have, make a compound. I'm gonna have a, a spa, all of my house, you know, everything right there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I tell anybody, I say, I think the, the spa is something that people should do. It's, it's a good health thing. Therapist, very mm-hmm. therapeutic, you know, and for twenty five bucks. That, that's all you spend, 25 bucks. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I'm not shy about it. I, I know you go in and you have to, you know, take your clothes, but, but it's separated. This cold. That's why I've never been. <laughs> like, I'm like, like in Korea, I'm like, I already have enough reasons for them to stare at me. Uh, I'm just gonna not go. <laughs> they, they separate the men and women, so you don't, you know, you don't have to. Yeah, I, st- I don't, I don't like the attention. <laughs> Well, I think like the sauna, they have an area for the saunas. They give you like a, a shirt and shorts. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I'll go to that part. <laughs> part you know? And they also have little cafeterias in there, too. So, they Ooh, yeah. you can eat there, too. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's Korean food, but it's pretty good. So, oh, yeah. yeah no, I, I'll have I'll have to tell you an additional story later why I didn't go in Korea, but. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like a, a friend, uh, but um, and and so also you you you've mentioned several times that you enjoy jazz, and since I know you ha- you haven't been to New Orleans, I know you haven't been to New Orleans Jazz Fest, but have you been to other any other jazz like popular jazz festivals or? Um, there was a jazz festival. Oh man, gosh, I forget what year that was. It was a big one at the Hollywood Bowl that I went to, mm-hmm. and um, I think it, it everybody was there. Everybody who was anybody, Keith Green, um, oh gosh, um, Chick Corea, I think was there. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody there? Any? <laughs> oh gosh, um, Gerard Butler, I think was there. Mm, was, nice. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of folks there. Um, I know Ron Myrick is a big Hollywood Bowl nut. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Yeah, but that was—I don't remember what year that was. But yeah, I was—I was a good one. I mean, I was—I was also going to a lot of jazz. One of my favorite places was um, Catalina Bar and Grill, which mm-hmm. is uh, in Hollywood. 
Mm-hmm. And it's still here. They moved it. It used to be on Coanga, but they moved it onto um, uh, Sunset and Highland. And uh, yeah, they've had a lot of a lot of A-listers there. But we had places like the Baked Potato. We had a Knitting Factory. Uh, gosh, um, Jazz Bakery. These names. <laughs> yeah, jazz Bakery, which I think is so. I I, I love jazz. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I got all kinds of stuff. You know, I got Eddie Harris. I got Miles Davis, of course, the standing mm-hmm. guest. You name it, I probably got it. I remember Moochie and I went to see uh, Ron, um, Ronnie Thomas. I think it was Ronnie Thomas before he died. Mm-hmm. That was a real thrill. In fact, I remember Moochie had some albums of his that he got him to sign. And like literally a month later, he, he had a heart attack. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, did we yeah. He was great, man. It was so nice seeing him there. But big jazz nut. I love jazz. Good stuff. That's that's Mm -hmm. the that's the stuff. (laughs) The good stuff. (laughs) I music. Music. Yeah. Love it. Um, you have. You said what? Well, I was gonna say I wanted. I would love to do an animated thing to a piece of jazz music. I haven't figured out what it what it's gonna be yet, but I but I'd like to do that. Yeah. Do it, do it. <laughs> no, I will. <laughs> um, you have uh three daughters and one is uh special needs, and I have a special needs brother. Um oh. what what do you think about what do you think people should know about people with special needs that they don't really think about? Um, I think you should give a special needs child a lot of attention and a lot mm-hmm. of love. I think you, you have to do as much as you can to keep them from feeling like the odd person out, you know, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I mean, like my daughter, she's a sweetie. <laughs> I mean, she understands us, but, you know, she kind of she's one of the, she's pretty high functioning, actually. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, I mean, she doesn't talk like everybody else and she uh, she makes a lot of noises. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't hear her right now, but she's in, in the other room. And she'll get real loud, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you have to, you know, I think that I would say, for me anyway, uh, I like giving my my little daughter a little bit more love and attention. Just to let mm-hmm. her know I love. Because, because she can get really noisy and <laughs> kind of out of hand, you know. And we have mm-hmm. to kind of reel her in. Like, I, you know, my other two daughters, I was able to, we were able to raise them pretty much the normal way. But, mm-hmm. with her, you know, I kind of had to not be quite as the, much of a disciplinarian with her because she didn't understand it. You know? Right. My wife was smart enough to kind of reel me in on that because I'm very old school, like, okay, we're going to, you know, deal with him. And she's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to work with me. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was right. You know, so I thought, okay, I better listen to that. But um, yeah, I think you have to just give them a little bit more time and love. Um, there's a lot I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, because I have all girls, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's there's things that I can't get involved in. <laughs> I'm the only guy here. <laughs> yeah. Well, things that I leave to my wife and, and mm-hmm. one of my daughters. Because the three daughters I have, my oldest daughter moved out a while back and she's living in Portland mm-hmm. her, with her fiance's parents. You know, they're getting married mm-hmm. and then. Uh, my middle daughter is is also a partially a caregiver to our youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. She she and my wife are you know more involved 
with Nina than I am, mm -hmm. because of the you know the stuff yeah. that 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 she's gonna do that I I try not to mm -hmm. get involved in you know because I don't it didn't seem right, mm -hmm. but other than that just you know attention and time and you know just letting her know she's loved and that's you know I I spend a lot of this time with her and I find mm -hmm. that that helps her you know it helps her to know that she is in the family everybody you know that she's loved uh, I think that. They just need to know because they, yeah, they get, you know, I, I can't speak for any other special needs. I mean, I've seen a lot of other special needs kids and I see they're all kinds of different kids. Mm -hmm. Mine, I know she's, she's, she's fine. She likes to get involved. She likes things that excite her. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like being bored. So we play things for her all day. We play movies for her to you know, keep her excited. She has toys she plays with. I mean, she's 24. Mm -hmm. You know, she's 24 with probably like a 12-year-old mind. Mm -hmm. And um, but you know, at the same time, it's like I dance with her and play with her and sing with you know. And I'm kind of the only one that does that. <laughs> but I do it because I feel like she needs that. You yeah. Know, not asking for it, but I, mm -hmm. think it, I think it makes her feel good. I think it makes her feel more loved and more like she's important. Yeah, for for me, like with strangers, I I like people to know that you know special needs people have like personalities or you know because my brother is very musical. Mm. Um, he he like back in the day he would talk when he told him to talk, but now he doesn't really talk that much. But he loves gospel music. Like he'll like when we had cassette tapes, he'll wear out a cassette tape. He'll wear out a CD. He wear out whatever the radio like. <laughs> so. <laughs> And uh, yeah. my mom always said that he never banged on instruments. And um, I mean, he didn't automatically know how to play them, but he never banged on them. And so, you know, people, you know, special needs people have personalities and yeah, are do. cool people. I love my brother. <laughs> of course, you know, that's, that's family, you know. I mean, even mm -hmm. though they have that, you know, I mean, I believe God will, uh, you know, I believe my faith, our faith is, is working towards seeing her and you know reach a, a, a different level mm -hmm. out of what she's in so um i mean from the time that she was very small you know you don't notice it as much when they're really you're really little but you know then you know the doctors pick up on it at some point and they realize oh she's got this problem and, you know mm -hmm. I, you know i would just embrace her it's like hey it's okay you know we will deal with it <laughs> yeah that's what you gotta do it's family <laughs> so if you had a documentary about your life, what would be in it besides your animation career? <laughs> well, I would say my my relationship to, to, to God, my relationship mm -hmm. to the Lord, because to me, that is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have my talent, my, my gifts, I have everything because of God. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't know how that <laughs> that's how I was raised. You know, my mom. Mm -hmm very strong God-fearing people and uh, like I said I'm one of five kids so we we're all raised we went you know we went to church we were involved in the church um just a big part of my life and, and one of your sisters is a theologian huh yeah yeah my my uh middle sister uh Marcia, uh she's uh, got her doctorate in theology she she, uh, at, um, she teaches at Syracuse uh University in New York City mm -hmm. and she is brilliant <laughs> 
uh, great gal. You know, of course, I'm, of course, I'm going to say that. My sister. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and then my uh, Vanessa, who is the next one down from me, I call her the the family minister. <laughs> <laughs> she's just she boy. She's just on fire for the Lord, and just you know, she's she's very involved. She married a wonderful guy who's also a minister too, and so just great strong family. Mm -hmm. My my youngest sister Elizabeth is um, is a librarian at the Library of Congress in uh, West mm -hmm. Virginia. She's, she's nice. Uh, yeah, and then my brother uh, Guy is um, a mechanic, but he also is an artist and he's a really good one too. And he's married. Mm -hmm. uh, he lives in Atlanta with you know with uh, Vanessa. Uh, both our parents have passed on. My dad was 92 when he died. When he died. Uh, my mom was kind of young. She was 66 or 67. Mm -hmm. But yeah, God-fearing people. And, uh, you know, so that's just a big part of our lives. And, and I would say it probably factored into my working in the animation business because I always kind of felt like it would be I realized that the stories that inspired me were good versus evil stories. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that kind of, that was why I wanted to work with Disney because I felt like that was kind of the thematic thing that Disney was doing, had been doing, and I wanted to be involved in that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, so I got involved in that. So that was good. Cool. <laughs> Anything else in your documentary? <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, um, okay. Animation. And Christianity, let's see what else. Um, hmm. Well, I'd probably talk about my you know, interest in jazz music. I'd probably mm -hmm. talk about my interest in, I'd, I'd probably also talk about just my interest in art in general mm -hmm. beyond animation, you know, yeah. I draw a lot. Um, probably talk about my teaching experience, some of the things that I, but I try to think about things that would be fun, let's see. <laughs> I probably talk about fun stuff to be honest. It's like mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want somebody to go to sleep on my documentary, so I probably talk about riding roller coasters. <laughs> and I probably like, well, let's shoot some roller coaster stuff, you know? Yeah, you know, that's I probably start with that and end with that. <laughs> so you got a really funny story from your life that you always tell? Hmm, funny story. Uh, well, yeah, there's a couple. I was just trying to think of what. Let's see. Um, <laughs> Um, let me think. Funny stories. I'm sure somebody has funny stories that they could tell about me that I don't know <laughs> or I'm not aware mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't think of one, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, right off the bat, I can't think of one. Um, I'm sure, if, yeah, it'll, it'll come to me after. You know, yeah, <laughs> they always do. <laughs> blank out. Boom. Yeah. But yeah, I would want to. I would want to have something. I would. I wouldn't want it to be boring. You know. Mm -hmm. So I don't. I guess. So would you? That. Would you have animated elements in your documentary? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've always been known for drawing girls. That's something mm -hmm. that's even been. Everybody says, uh, and I've even been hired on some jobs because I can draw girls pretty well. So mm -hmm. I have a feeling that that would factor in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I'm sure you're aware. You've probably seen some of my drawings. Yep. Like that. Yep, oopsie, so on you know, your on, on the gram. <laughs> a lot of girls. Yeah, everybody. I, I in fact like on, on um on um Rover Dangerfield, for instance, I was hired because I can animate girls pretty well. Mm. 
And in fact, I was put on uh, one of the main characters, the female character, for that reason. So, yeah. <laughs> so, what's your website, and how, and where can people follow you on social media? Uh, let's see. My website is uh, Robinson's and RobinsonAnimation.com. Mm-hmm. It's a site, and let's see. Um, it's got all the. Let's see. It's okay. So it would be. It would be. Well, it's Robinson's Animal. Okay, it's RobinsonAnimation.com, which is mm-hmm. one. I have two sites. RobinsonAnimation.com, and then the other one I believe is Leonard.Robinson. Wait a minute. Leonard Robinson. It's LeonardRobinson.wixsite.com. That's it. That's it. Backslash Robinson Animation. That's the one. <laughs> and the first one is Robinson with no S, like Robinson Animation. That's right. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, the Wix site one is always is the, my most current one. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Robinson Animation is an older one, but it's still got a lot of stuff on it. And, and what's then- your social media? Uh, I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, you just type my name, Leonard Robinson, it should pop up. And then uh, my Instagram, I believe, is Big Daddy Love. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it's just those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't done a Twitter. I have a Twitter account, but I don't use it. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Because <laughs> I would use it. And then I think I had a Vimeo account, but I don't use that either. So. <laughs> I had a Patreon, but I haven't haven't done anything with it. You know, I'm, I am mm-hmm. all that that stuff. I'm just not very savvy about it. I'm still learning how to use it properly. Yeah. Yeah, it's all new to me. I'm an, an old bird <laughs> learning to with wisdom. With, with wisdom, is that it? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I my- like to. Yeah, I'd like to thank you for coming on the Black Woman Animator YouTube channel. And to everyone out there, I would like you to like so I know it's real, comment and tell me how you feel, subscribe to Seal the Deal, and sign up for post notifications to show your zeal. And I'll see you in the next video. Peace. Hey now.